Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, Major Junior. Hey, Connor McDavid of the Erie Otters. Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. I'm Braden Holpe for the Saskatoon Blades. This is Gabriel Landeskog. I'm playing for the Kitchen Rangers. Hi, this is Sean Couturier from the Drummondville Voltager. Carter Hart of the Everett Silvertips. This is Taylor Hall of the Windsor Spitfire. Nathan McKinnon from the Halifax Mooseheads. NCAA. Hey, this is Jack Eichel. I play at Boston University. It's Alex Turcotte. Hey, it's Kale McCarver. Hey, this is Jack Drury. Hey, it's Kyle Connor. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Denver University Pioneers. It's Morgan Barron from Cornell University. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hello, this is uh, Jerry York, the coach at Boston College. The World Juniors. My name is Andres Fischko from uh, Team Russia. Hey, it's Joel Ferby from Team USA. It's Norris Sider from Germany. I'm Philip Broberg of the Team Sweden. It's Ellie Paul Lennon. Hey, it's Nikolai Ehlers. It's Matt Sogard. Hi, it's Timo Meyer. Hi, this is Jordan Edwards of Team Canada. The NHL Draft. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Hi, it's Gordon Bicep from the Sudbury Wolves. Connor Derry from the Camelot Blazers. I'm Alexander Holtz. I'm Lucas Freeman. Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit. Dylan Holler from the Wisconsin Badgers. Hey, it's Jake Sanson. I play for Team USA. Brady Schneider, Caden Dooley. Here's Marco Rossi. I'm from the other sound. And more. Excellent! This is the Pipeline Show. Good weekend. Welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. That's me. If you are a newcomer to the program, welcome aboard. If you are a returning listener, thanks for coming back. And if you are a, a patron at patreon.com slash the Pipeline Show, then special thank you to you. And uh, there has been an uptick here uh, recently in uh, people signing up to be patrons. So I appreciate that extra support. Just added uh, some new perks uh, to the tiers, the, the entry level tier. So not only now do you get uh, early access to all the interviews here on the Pipeline Show in the full episode, you'll get the the interviews uh, exclusively uh, available to patrons, usually about an hour after the uh, the interview is done. Just gives me enough time to edit it and put it all together. Uh, now what I've added is uh, as soon as I have a, a guest booked, so say right now as I'm speaking with you, it's uh, Friday, usually I'll start booking the show for the coming week on the weekend. As soon as I have a guest lined up, I know, okay, I'm speaking with uh, person X on Tuesday at noon. Uh, I'm going to post that uh, to the Patreon site. So any patrons can submit questions that they would like asked of that guest. And uh, when I have the guest on, I'll ask those questions, give the uh, the patron a shout out. And that's just uh, a way for the audience to interact directly with uh, the guests that I have here on the Pipeline Show. So if that's of interest to you, there's just one more reason uh, to sign up to be a patron couple of bucks a month is all it takes goes directly to your card i don't see the credit card numbers or anything like that it's all done securely through paypal and and patreon there's now the option to do it monthly or annually and if you do annually uh, there's a discount for that as well so give it a look patreon.com slash the pipeline show okay no question of the week this time around Uh, let's get right to the news and notes and uh, just breaking yesterday in fact i'd had the show i did the final interview that i expected to have for this week's episode just wrapped up and uh, then the uh, press release from the western hockey league came out that games will be played again this season in the whl but to start with only in alberta which first reaction was uh, okay february 26th is the targeted start date and i say targeted because I, I think in the end covid will decide but the details in the press release really show how the league is going about uh, being really stringent and careful with everything and staying on top of all the testing that, that's required. 
only going to play games on the weekends, and it's going to be uh, home and home, so there won't be hotel stays. Uh, but only in Alberta. And you go back to the, the conference call that Ron Robinson had with all the media back, boy, I want to say it was October, something like that, maybe early November. And at that time, the, they said, we will not come back unless all 22 teams are playing. Obviously, that's changed. And I, I'd have to chalk that up to desperate times, call for desperate measures. And maybe it's an indication that the same will be happening shortly or they expect it to happen shortly in British Columbia, as well as Saskatchewan and, and, and Manitoba. And uh, cross your fingers for the U.S. division as well. I don't know, but maybe at this point it's just whatever we can do uh, to help these guys get back onto the ice, uh, that's what they're going to do. So that's the uh, the biggest news of the week and the, the late-breaking news. Uh, also of note, uh, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League got back to action last weekend, uh, with the exception of the teams in the Maritimes. Three of those teams are back to action this weekend. Uh, they would be the two in uh, Nova Scotia, the Halifax Mooseheads, the Cape Breton Eagles, as well as the Charlottetown Islanders uh, from Prince Edward Island. So just the three clubs in New Brunswick, St. John, Moncton, and uh, Acadie Bathurst. Not back quite yet, but uh, probably expected to be back uh, very soon. So good to see for the queue. The American Hockey League, uh, their camps are underway now, and uh, players have uh, started to, to report to their teams do have a guest on the show today to talk about the American Hockey League, so we'll save the rest of that for that segment. But uh, the AHL, the two things of note, they're, they're having a bit of a labor issue right now, so contract-wise. My guest will uh, weigh in on that. The season is scheduled to begin in a week from now. Not every team is playing this year, though, so a couple of NHL teams are uh, partnering up and sharing affiliates. Again, all that uh, covered uh, with my guest in uh, the first guest segment today, so we'll save that. Quick look at the USHL, the Chicago Steel, uh, leading their conference, the Eastern Conference, by four points ahead of uh, the Muskegon Lumberjacks, and uh, they are the top team in the league right now as well, statistically speaking. Fargo has 32 points, but Chicago has 34. Just out of curiosity, I wanted to check in on the WHL players who have now gone to the USHL. There's not a lot of them, but some, uh, and some significant ones. And they're uh, doing rather well. I don't know what to if that says anything about the difference between the WHL and the USHL or not. Uh, but there are four guys uh, playing in Lincoln, and if you just go by points per game, because obviously they've they've only played three or four games for the most part, uh, whereas their club teams, the the new teams, they're up to 16, 17, 18 games. But you look at the Lincoln Stars. Clay Hannis, who is a, a defenseman, has Three points in five games. He is a third in terms of points per game on the team. Jack O'Brien has only got one point so far in three games, so hasn't had a ton of success just yet. Cross Hannes has scored, but uh, only one point in four games. Meanwhile, in uh, Sioux Falls with the Stampede, there's a couple of high-profile WHLers there, Luke Toporowski and Cole Sillinger. Toporowski of the Spokane Chiefs, Sillinger of the Medicine Hat Tigers. Well, they are the top two scorers uh, for... Uh, Sioux Falls, points per game. Toporowski's got three points in two games, and Sillinger has four goals, six points in five games. So good start uh, for Sillinger. Now the question is, Sillinger plays for the Medicine Hat Tigers, and the dub is coming back now, so does he report back? Well, we go back to last week's interview with uh, Mike Johnston from the Portland Winterhawks, and according to him, those players were released to play in the USHL. They are there. They will stay in the USHL until those teams are done for the year and playoffs. So Sioux Falls 
Their last regular season game is on April 24th uh, against the Lincoln Stars. Then there's playoffs after that. So Sillinger, my understanding, after that conversation with Mike Johnson, will be with Sioux Falls until, at I would guess, at least May. Uh, by the time the regular season is done and into the playoffs, and assuming Sioux Falls makes the playoffs, and lots can happen between now and then. But once the uh, Stampede are done... Sillinger would be allowed to come back to the WHL and play in Medicine Hat, but only to a maximum of six games as an affiliate player. That is my understanding. Uh, he'd be a full-time uh, WHLer in uh, the 21-22 season, but this year, that's it for Medicine Hat. So with the WHL starting here on February 26th, Sillinger wouldn't be available through March and April for the Tigers. Out of curiosity, I looked at uh, Dubuque, to see how uh, Matthew Savoy is doing. And yeah, he leads the team in scoring as well. Points per game, talking about. Like Toporowski and Sillinger are for the Sioux Falls Stampede. Savoy has six points in three games. So you can see the impact the WHL guys are having for their uh, their USHL clubs. Now, Savoy, I, there seems to be some question as uh, in regard to if he'd be able to play. Now again, he's with the Winnipeg Ice, so they're not back in action here as of yet, at least nothing announced uh, by the WHL. But for argument's sake, say the Winnipeg Ice get back to action here at the end of February as well. I don't know that Savoy would be lost to the team until, uh, much like Sillinger is, uh, because of age. Because he's a 16-year-old player, there might be some difference there. I'm, I'm, That's not clear to me. Well, he's 17 now, but this was his uh, 16-year-old season. So I'm not 100% sure on uh, what the status there is for Matthew Savoy, but right now it's a moot point anyway because the Winnipeg Ice aren't aren't uh, scheduled to restart yet. Uh, lastly, here with the news and notes, you can look at the NCAA, and uh, the leading scorer is uh, still Odin Tufto from uh, the Quinnipiac Bobcats. He's got 24, excuse me, he has 28 points in 18 games, 24 assists. Uh, Cole Caulfield is next. He has 21 points in 16 games. Looks to me like he's having a much more consistent season. Last year, I felt he was really streaky, especially with the goal scoring. This year, it seems to be uh, much more evenly spread out. I think that's a good sign for him. Brandon Cruz with Bowling Green also with 21 points. Shane Pinto has been on fire at North Dakota. He's tied with uh, Will Calverly with at RIT and Cameron Wright of Bowling Green. Uh, they have 19 points. Some of the other notables... Thomas Bordalo and, and uh, Kent Johnson, both of them freshmen at Michigan, have 18 points. There's a lot of players right now with 18 points. Another freshman is uh, Matt Copperwood at Arizona State. He has 18 points as well. Last year's top scorer is Jordan Kawaguchi at North Dakota. He's in that mix of uh, players with 18 points. I know locally around here, a lot of excitement for Edmonton area kid Carter Savoy, who is uh, drafted by the Edmonton Oilers. He's at Denver. 14 points in 16 games, including nine goals. Great start for him. Worth mentioning that there is uh, another former AJHL freshman this year who is actually outproducing a Savoy in terms of points per game, just narrowly, but worth mentioning. And that would be Alex Young at uh, Colgate, who has uh, 12 points in 13 games. Young is a seventh-round draft pick of the San Jose Sharks. All right, that does it for the news and notes uh, portion. Uh, here of the uh, the program. All of my guests today that you're going to hear from, there's four of them. They all join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline, where you can get your same-day home delivery, and that delivery could be absolutely free to you. 
If you live between Calgary and St. Albert, you go online to troubledmonk.com, you order and use promo code PIPELINE, and you can get your supply of uh, delicious craft beverages right to your door absolutely free. You do it right now, and you're getting a, a free can of a cocktail, whether it's the Epitaph gin and soda or the adequate vodka that you got the lemon-lime flavor. Your choice, you can just pick one, and they'll add that to, to your delivery at no extra cost and free delivery. The four guests that you're going to hear from today, we will start with that conversation uh, previewing the upcoming AHL season. Uh, my guest is Tony Andrakaitis, who uh, writes for Inside AHL Hockey. He's uh, covering the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, which happens to be the farm team of the Philadelphia Flyers. So I wanted to pick his brain a little bit about the organization and the uh, some of the players there. Uh, but most of that conversation is about the American Hockey League. From there, we will uh, flip on the 2021 draft spotlight and a player who's in the Moose Jaw Warriors organization is Ryder Korzak, uh, given an A rating by NHL Central Scouting here last week, uh, deemed as a potential first-round pick. Really enjoyed that conversation with Ryder. I did screw up, though, on my end and uh, had the wrong uh, setting for my microphone. Uh, so uh, my part of that conversation is a little echoey, but uh, he sounds perfect. Uh, I fixed things for uh, my next uh, interview, and that's uh, with Dustin Braxma from HockeyProspect.com as we chat about a number of players. It's like six players to start with, and then we get into a couple of extra guys as well. Uh, high school guys in the in the United States, some USHL players, and then we uh, t chat a little bit about uh, a trio of Michigan Wolverines. And we'll uh, end this week's episode with the breaking news of the WHL. Byron Hackett from The Advocate in Red Deer. Get his reaction and his take on uh, the announcement that the WHL in Alberta is coming back February 26th. So lots to talk about this week, lots of guests to hear from. Let's start. Tony Andrakaitis and the American Hockey League. He's up first here on the Pipeline Show. Down there by Zaboral. Puck comes free. Ward's clearing play to the line. It skips out to center. Valeno trying to break shorthanded. Joe Valeno, penalty coming. Valeno deking, scores! Joe Valeno, shorthanded goal. Hey, it's Joe Valeno from the Drummondville Voltageurs, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Spurs Grove St. AJHL Hockey is back for the 2020-2021 season. Due to the ongoing pandemic, the attendance is limited at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. You can follow along across social media at SG Saints and support the Saints by heading to sprucegrovesaints.ca and purchasing your Cash is King tickets today. Over $33,000 in prizes to be given away. Again, head to sprucegrovesaints.ca for more information. The Spruce Grove Saints, proud supporters of the Pipeline Show. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. And boom goes the dynamite. We're back on The Pipeline Show. We're going to talk a little American Hockey League as another league about to finally get started. It's been a long time since uh, the AHL has been underway. Uh, so let's get into that. And uh, to uh, join me to talk about the American Hockey League this year is a guy who covers the league pretty closely, uh, Tony Andrakaitis. Welcome to the show, Tony. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate uh, you making the time today. Uh, inside the AHL is where uh, Inside AHL Hockey, excuse me, is where you can find uh, Tony's stuff. You can follow him on Twitter 
at Tony Androck. Uh, is, you just shorten it because it's easier for people? I, I know, like myself, you were telling me your name has been butchered all your life, so you're kind of used to it. Yeah, it's just shorter and, like you said, you know, to avoid confusion with the pronunciation, uh, I just tell everyone just to call me Tony. That's fine. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right, well, let's get to the AHL. And, uh, man, do you remember the last game that you were able to uh, to take in in, in person? Uh, how long ago has it been? Yeah, so mid-March, the Phantoms played a midweek game, a uh, home game against uh, their rival, the Penguins, Wilkes-Barre-Scranton. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just remember, uh, you know, doing the Phantoms media side, running down, you know, the hallway to catch some guys from Wilkes-Barre, and, you know, you're waiting in the hallway, and, you know, one I forget who it was, specifically one of the players comes out, you know, looking at us, going like, oh, my God, the NBA is shutting down, and, hmm. you know, just from that, right from that moment, you know, everything, the rest of the interviews just had a weird feeling, and, uh, even going back upstairs to, you know, write the write the post-game story and, and you know, gather up my stuff to leave, uh, I actually took a picture because I'm like, man, if the NBA is shutting down, like, that's, you know, a major deal and, you know, th- there could be a, a fallout effect for, you know, and obviously the, uh, the AHL and the NHL and, and everything got shut down. So it was kind of an eerie feeling, you know, leaving the building that night and uh, I actually haven't been back to a, a hockey rink since, so I'm still waiting uh, now to go back to a rink for the first time. Well, I'm with you. I haven't been in uh, a rink either, and it's been since March. Since uh, well, I, I'm near Edmonton, so the, uh, the we have the NHL and the WHL here, as well as some other junior leagues, and haven't been to a game in person uh, since uh, last March. So it's been a long time coming. At least your league is up and running. The WHL not back up yet uh, up here, so a little different. Although so interestingly, this year one of the changes, one of the differences we'll see with the AHL is that. There are some CHL guys uh, playing the league. We'll talk a little bit about that in a second and, and what that means to the league and, and for those players. But first off, the league gets going next weekend. How is the league different this year? Every year it seems like there's, you know, the NHL teams will have a, or the NHL parent clubs might have a different affiliation with clubs. How many clubs are actually going this year? Is it like the ECHL where some teams are taking the season off? Yeah, so three teams uh, had decided to opt out uh, earlier this month was the deadline. They had the Board of Governors meeting. Uh, The Charlotte Checkers, the Springfield Thunderbirds, and also the Milwaukee Admirals. Those are the three teams, and that's – so Milwaukee is with Nashville. That's the Nashville organization. Um, And then Carolina had just – left Charlotte. So Florida came in and sort of, I think a lot of the reason why they opted out was just such a, a new affiliation. And then same thing with uh, Springfield, St. Louis moved, uh, you know, is, is housing their stuff in Springfield now. So I, I feel like the two affiliation swaps might've had a you know pretty important part of why they weren't able to get it together. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously the AHL is so reliant upon, uh, you know, the fan attendance. Uh, some teams, uh, I know one team that I talked to specifically about it, like they get 80 to 85% of their revenue is generated just from ticket sales. Mm-hmm. So uh, with, without that, or, you know, without the prospect of knowing when you'll be able to have fans, I feel like uh, some teams just, and it's, even the teams playing, they're not going to be making any hardly, won't be making any money, but uh, you know, some of these teams just, you know, weren't able to, to, to make it work. And for the most part, it's a it's a, a league that still buses uh, around. It's not like they're most of the teams aren't flying from one game to the next. Uh, how does what does that do for scheduling this year? Are are teams really just sticking close as close to to home as possible for the entire season? Well, yeah, they've realigned. They have a bunch of different divisions, and it's basically you know geographic clusters. Um, and you know every team there's teams playing uh, 
as low as 24 games this season, which is the minimum was the minimum they set. Um, and then there's teams uh, like San Diego, Anaheim's farm team uh, had 44 games on the schedule to start the season. So um, there's kind of a variance, and even in division, in the within division, some teams are playing different amounts of games. So um, yeah, there's just going to be so many variables this season. It's going to be uh, interesting to see how it all plays out. I thought I read somewhere this week that uh, the Calgary Flames aren't sending their players to Stockton. They're just going to play out of Calgary. They're they're going to have their American League season based out of Calgary. Is that did I understand that correctly? Yeah. So that's actually been uh, sort of developing the last few days. Um, so that's what it looks like, and that's unfortunate because Stockton already was you know, had their schedule put out in the Pacific division with the teams out in California. So um, that they're obviously going to have to avoid, you know, that entire team schedule for there. And um, the, actually the Canadian division hasn't really, they don't have a schedule yet for the Canadian teams. They're still waiting on uh, government approval. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess they could squeeze Stockton into the Canadian team schedule because it hasn't been announced yet, but you know, it's definitely a big hiccup right now. I'm guessing that is just due to border crossing and, having the quarantine and stuff coming in and out of the country. I'm trying to think of how many of the other NHL teams in Canada have their AHL affiliates in the States. Yeah, and then kind of Bakersfield, I know that. But they're still going to have their team in Bakersfield, as far as I know. Yep. And then uh, Vancouver with Utica. There's, they have loans, like Vancouver has loaned some players to the Manitoba Moose to keep them in Canada. Hmm. And I, I'm pretty sure Edmonton has done a, a, some similar things. I can't think off the top of my head who they uh, relocated, but... With, even within the league, some players are loaning, you know, to other teams just because they have, you know, six goalies or five goalies and, right. you know, another team doesn't have any. So there's a lot of that kind of uh, – you have those dual affiliations, and then you have, you know, players that are just being loaned just to get opportunities to get ice time. Really get the sense it's just kind of make it up as we go this year, and maybe standings and playoffs aren't all that important. This really is a season based strictly on – Let's get these guys playing, continue their development. Yeah, I guess it really depends who you talk to right now. Officially, the league hasn't released any final decision on whether there will or won't be a playoff. Um, I know in a conference call the other day with Hershey Bears head coach Spencer Carberry, um, he said, you know, on record, you know, during the interview that he was told that uh, the Calder Cup won't be awarded this season, and that's it's not po- You know, he was told it's not possible, um, and that there, you know, there might be a playoff. Um, but, you know, she just seemed frustrated when the topic was brought up. So, um, And then out in Iowa, I guess the Iowa Wild head coach had told uh, a reporter from The Athletic that there was going to be a, a sort of best of threes within division playoff, and that's just about it. So we'll have to see what uh, officially happens, but it sounds like uh, the, you know, the Calder Cup, they won't be able to do that this year. And maybe there'll be some sort of in-division playoff format, but we we have yet to see uh, see it yet. Yeah, that's what we're hearing in junior hockey, too. Playoffs questionable and national championships uh, might not even uh, be attempted this year. So really all about development. One difference between junior and the uh, American Hockey League, players get paid in, uh, in the AHL, and that seems to be a, a, a topic up in the, uh, in the news this week, and I know you've been reporting on it uh, as well at InsideAHLHockey.com. What's the uh, the AHL and the PHPA, what's happening with that right now? Because it seems like they're not quite on the same page. No, not on the same page at all. And, I mean, we just mentioned earlier the season, the regular season is scheduled to start, uh, you know, in less than a week here next weekend. Uh, so they don't really have a lot of time. Uh, but, I mean, like with any 
you know, union and negotiation, you know, things can get heated and stuff. That's not, uh, I wouldn't say it's atypical or anything like that, but, um, yeah, they don't really have a lot of time. And, uh, I know like players are really stressing out about it. Um, you know, there's certain players around the league that I've talked to the last couple of months, uh, even guys that are under contract, you know, obviously the guys, you know, that aren't signed are, are really sweating it right now. But even the guys that are signed, they, they still haven't, you know, gotten a paycheck since, you know, last March. And uh, they're worried about, you know, finding housing. And, uh, you know, obviously the salary, some guys signed in free agency took a lower deal, a lower money deal, because they knew, you know, these AHL teams didn't have money. And now uh, there's, they're, you know, they took a pay cut already. And now there's going to be a salary proration on top of that. So, um, yeah, it's definitely not an unend. It's like a lose on all sides situation. It's a very unenviable position for all sides to be in right now. Could that topic alone maybe put the season in jeopardy? Could I mean I don't know if we would see a some sort of player holdout or something like that. But when it comes down to money, man, that does seem to put a uh, a pretty big kink into the uh, into the work sometimes. Where do you see this going? Could they settle this before next Friday? I mean, I mean, there's, I mean, like you said, there's no way they can play the season without this agreement. So uh, I know talking to some people around the league, uh, even just earlier in the week, they'd already told me that, you know, the PHPA and, you know, the HL executive committee and, you know, conducting Zoom calls between them and the player reps. And they're hoping to do that Monday and uh, Tuesday. And the, the hope was that there's going to be guidelines established by the end of the week. So, um, you know, we might hear a lot more about that later this week. The Professional Hockey Players Association, that's the union, uh, is it uh, connected at all to the NHLPA? Can that union uh, get involved at all to kind of help this uh, move forward? Yeah, I'd actually heard that the the NHL was stepping in now. I mean, obviously they need this. You know the whole reason, based, well, not the whole the base, the main reason they're playing in the AHL this season is for development, and um, so these prospects can play because you don't want these guys sitting out for basically two years and not playing hockey at that age. That's yeah. that would just be you know, detrimental to you know growing their game. So definitely the focus is development, and with 28 out of 31 teams opting in, obviously. Uh, that goes to show you just how much the NHL is invested in the AHL and how much, you know, they need them. Yeah, totally. Uh, Tony Androkaitis, my guest from InsideAHLHockey.com. New head honcho, uh, the new Grand Puba, is uh, Scott Housen for the American Hockey League. We knew him up here in Edmonton when he, well, he was associated with the Oilers for a very long time. Uh, you get the sense uh, there'll be any significant changes uh, with him coming in, or is it this year is just, you know, kind of fly by the seat of your pants already as it is? Yeah, I would say just to throw the expectations out the window, I think the sole focus right now is, you know, to get through this season and then, you know, just go full on into, you know, next season, start up in October and hope for the best, you know, full season and all that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Dave Andrews, the former CEO of La- president of the AHL for the last 20 you know, the previous 25, 26 years, he's still um, on the board serving. And obviously he's always there for, for Scott to, to talk to and bounce ideas off of. So it's not like he's, I mean, he's kind of been thrown in into the fire here, but he does have um, a great, you know, hockey mind right by his side, basically uh, that, you know, could help guide him through this. Uh, Tony, tell me about the, the relationship this year with the, the NHL club down to the American affiliate. They've got the taxi squad kind of as a buffer in between. Use uh, the, the, the Flyers and the Phantoms as an example. I'm a Flyers guy myself, so I have an interest in how the player transactions will, will move. 
do they do they kind of go from the NHL to the taxi squad and then down to the American League or or how does it work in this year? Do you know? Yeah, so for right now, the Flyers have sort of focused on um, keeping like the guys on the taxi squad right now are all uh, you know there's not any rookies or anything like that. It's more NHL ready uh, veteran type players that you could plug and play in an NHL lineup and not you know really worry about. But uh, I know Chuck Fletcher has told the media. Um, even during training camp and stuff, that once the AHL did get back, we could see, you know, guys being sent down to get some playing time and uh, other guys called up to practice with the NHL guys. So, and league-wide, I mean, you're seeing so many transactions pretty much daily uh, with all the cap savings, cap savings and stuff. So I would expect a lot of that from Taxi Squad to the AHL, um, you know, as we move along here and as the AHL season, you know, gets in, in into swing here in a couple of weeks, we'll we'll probably see guys, Sent like I said, sent down to get some playing time because uh, you could practice all you want, but you know that game shape is really important, especially if you're trying to you know get in that NHL lineup. So this year, with CHL guys being allowed to play in the American League as long as they're signed players, uh, are we expecting to see uh, again with the Flyers guys like Zade Wisdom and Ty Forrester, Tyson Forrester rather? He told me he doesn't like Ty and guys like that. Are, are they going to be playing in the AHL? Oh uh, yeah, the understanding that I mean, from my understanding, um, they'll be able to play, you know, in the AHL until the junior leagues resume. So I'm not sure. I mean, obviously nobody really knows what what the future for the the CHL you know teams will be. But mm-hmm. um, right now, yeah, they're uh, inserted in the lineup. Uh, I haven't made it down to training camp practice uh, for the, the Phantoms that started this week, but uh, talking with Cal O'Reilly, he has been on a line with Zade Wisdom in practice. So. I would imagine that they're, you know, even their full roster, they only have 15 or 16 forwards, I think, right now. So they're going to, you know, you know, these rookies will get to play in some games. And um, even just around the league, like Trevor Zegras and Jamie Drysdale out in Anaheim, you have uh, and just throughout the league, you have all these incredible young talents. It's going to be, uh, you know, a real treat for some of these reporters that will get to see these young kids play in a pro environment. Because normally, like you said, normally they wouldn't because they'd be, you know, in juniors right now. Right. Uh, Wade Allison, uh, no, not a junior player, but uh, done with his college career. And is he banged up again right now? This guy, he can't stay healthy. He can't buy a break. Uh, yeah, he, I'm not sure what it is. I know he, I'm pretty sure he had started camp, but he is on the season opening, uh, like the non-active roster. Uh, I guess that's injured reserve. But, um, and then same with uh, Isaac Ratcliffe. But I think Ratcliffe is probably pretty close to, to being put off that. I know they had... He'd suffered, I think it was like a fractured rib while training. So mm. I feel like that was a couple months ago. So he should be, um, you know, back soon. I don't know if he'll be ready to be in the AHL roster for the start of the AHL season next week. But I would imagine that he's, you know, getting closer to being ready to return. Excellent. Well, let's, uh, I hope uh, you don't mind if I call you again and uh, keep tabs on uh, what's happening in the American Hockey League a little bit more here on the Pipeline Show this year. Uh, it'd be great if I could call you again, Tony. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Tony Androkaitis uh, from uh, Inside AHL Hockey, and uh, he's had a busy day here today. Uh, as I'm speaking with you, it's Friday. I chatted with him. Uh, I did that interview on Wednesday afternoon. So since then, he's been really busy today. There was a one game canceled, a preseason game. In fact, it was the Lehigh Valley game that was supposed to go tonight. That's been uh, canceled, or at least uh, it's uh, going to be rescheduled, potentially. Also, he is reporting on his uh, Twitter feed that the PHPA, so that's the Professional Hockey Players Association, 
has, and he used the word begrudgingly, approved the AHL's latest proposal. So it looks like that labor strife uh, will be settled and that the season will begin on February 5th as planned. Some uncertainty, though, about the Canadian division about uh, starting on February 5th, and uh, at least a portion of the hiccup there is due to the Calgary Flames relocating their AHL affiliate from Stockton to Calgary for this season, especially because it came after the AHL released the schedule uh, for Stockton with its regular season matchups against the other California teams. So that has uh, created a bit of a hurdle for the proposed Canadian division. Up next, we turn on the uh, switch for the 2021 draft spotlight and uh, shine it at the Moose Jaw Warriors, specifically Ryder Korzak, given an A rating by NHL Central Scouting last week as a potential first round pick. Get to know Ryder Korzak next here on the Pipeline Show. Down on the end boards. Brandon turns it over. Peck Ford comes around. As Wu shot, he scores! Chet Wu snaps it far side over the glove of Logan Thompson, and the Warriors have extended their lead. Hi, this is Chet Wu from the Moose Jaw Warriors, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Troubled Monk Brew of the Week has a lot of character, but tell us about it. The Pesky Pig Pale Ale. Named after the little piggy that never went to the market, this super approachable pale ale has all kinds of citrus flavors, including huge grapefruit note. Player comparable, Matthew Kachuk. Always in the mix, and no matter what, you'd rather him on your team. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. That's Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. I got a bad feeling about this. It is the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and we are going to uh, flick on the switch, turn on the 2021 Draft Spotlight uh, in a second. My guest will be joining me courtesy of the Troubled Monk Hotline. I am uh, enjoying a bucktooth Belgian white from Troubled Monk down in Red Deer. As we speak, uh, my next guest, coming from the Moose Jaw Warriors, draft eligible this year. Pleased to be chatting with Ryder Korzak of the Warriors. Uh, Ryder, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Hi, hi. I'm good. Thanks for having me. A pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. Uh, let's talk about what's going on right now, and that might not take long because what is going on? We got no WHL season. I imagine it's just a lot of training. Uh, kind of uh, take me through a, a typical day for you right now. Yeah, yeah, there's not much going on. I mean, um, a day in life in my in my eyes are uh, I wake up, make breakfast, to go for uh, early morning workouts, and then me and my buddies uh, we go for a skate and then uh, just try to keep in shape for the upcoming season here, and hopefully it goes here pretty soon. I know everybody wants to know, but are you hearing anything? I, I mean, I, I don't think there are really, outside of the, the planned 24-game season uh, that was announced by the league, no real start date or anything yet. But, you know, what are your, what are the rest of the guys talking about? Did you get an inkling that we might be getting closer? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. We had actually a Zoom call uh, today here, and uh, our head coach, Mark O'Leary, is, uh, uh, he's saying that we're getting a little bit closer, so he said we'll have more information next next week. But I also heard from a couple of my buddies that, 
we might uh, we might be doing a bubble too, but who knows? Mm. No one knows out there right now. So yeah. Well, I'm sure there are lots of uh, scenarios and lots of ideas. Whatever it takes, I'm sure you'd be. Yeah. Imagine you're chomping at the bit to get going here. This is a big season. For yeah. You. Yeah, I mentioned, I mentioned that for sure. Last time we saw the Moose Jaw Warriors on the ice, well, it seems like a a long time ago now because it has been, what is it, 10 months or so now since uh, yeah. the WHL was shut down. And uh, the Warriors, we, we knew you weren't going to the playoffs, but uh, the other opportunities popping up, maybe the World U18s, things like that, and that got taken away as well. So uh, this this past 10 months, maybe just give me a sense from from you how depressing it's kind of been. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a bummer, but... Uh, well, I mean, going to the U18 would be pretty cool, um, all that stuff. But, I mean, everything, everyone's going through it, so I just got to bear with it. And then, yeah, all I can do is wait it out and hopefully hope this season starts back up pretty, pretty soon. Well, Ryder, what we normally do in this part of the show is get to know somebody that's draft eligible. Uh, you're, you are eligible in 2021. We know that draft is temporarily or at least tentatively scheduled for July uh, this summer, so a little later than normal, but not October like the 2020 draft yeah. was. Uh, let's start with uh, a bit of background. Where are you from? Uh, I'm from York, Saskatchewan, born and raised. And, yeah, it's a small town in Saskatchewan there, um, about twenty-five uh, to 30,000 people. So it's a small town, but it's, uh, it, it does good. <laughs> All right. And uh, I know uh, well, you've got an older brother that plays, plays in the league, Caden Korzak, and uh, drafted player as well. He with the uh, the Kelowna Rockets uh, now, right now, I guess he's uh, getting a chance potentially to play in the American Hockey League this year. But uh, as a kid growing up, uh, who got you into hockey? Definitely my dad. I mean, I think I honestly think it was when I, we were three, me and Caden. Um, dad, dad brought us out to the Kinsmen there, the rink in, in Yorkton, and uh, he brought us out on the ice, and we were, went for a couple of twirls, and then all of a sudden we just fell in love with it. So, yeah, since then it's just been. Uh, it's, it's been from there, I guess. Now, I have an older brother. There's four years gap between he and I. Only, what, about a year and a half? Not even that between you and Caden? Yeah, yeah, a year and a half. I have a late birthday, and he has an early birthday. So it, uh, it, feels, like, it feels like we're closer than, uh, than a year and a half, but uh, uh, it's pretty cool. So whenever, whatever he was doing, I know typical younger brother always wants to follow what the, the older brother's doing. That's, that's pretty normal. Yeah. Uh, did you guys actually yeah. get to play on the same teams growing up much? Um, I think honestly, only one year we had to play together just because Caden was, uh, he was a bigger kid in general. Um, always, always like bigger than his age group. He, uh, he played up a year. Okay. And I think the only year we played together was, uh, was Bantam. Uh, yeah, it was Bantam when we played together. So it was pretty cool playing with him. And then obviously in the WHL playing against him is, uh, uh, pretty cool as well. Now he's a defenseman and a a much bigger player than you are. He's what six four yeah. or something like that. And, yeah, six four. And last uh, listing I've seen of you, five ten, one hundred and sixty pounds. Maybe we'll start there. Yeah. Is is that up to date or is that a little different now? No, no, that's not up to date. I'm gaining weight here. I'm five eleven, one seventy five. So catching to him, but not quite <laughs> catching up to him. You, you want a little bit of his size though, by moving forty. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> Hogging all the genetics there, the older brother. Yeah, getting a couple inches would be nice. <laughs> Uh, take me back to the Bantam draft. Uh, you were taken by Calgary second round, so you didn't have to wait all that long. On draft day, did you were you at home uh, getting to follow along, or were you at school? How, what was draft day like for you? Yeah, um, me and my brother took the day off from school. Our family was just at home and then watching the draft. And honestly, I don't think I've I don't think I was in touch with Calgary too much. I mean, that was probably one of the least teams I was in touch with. Huh. And then all of a sudden. Uh, 
Kyle Gear is on the clock, and then I just saw saw my name from York to Saskatchewan, and the whole family was fired up. And then after after that draft, and me and my brother went for a round of golf, so it's pretty cool. It's a pretty special moment. Nice. Now he playing in BC. I don't imagine your parents get to watch him uh, all that often, but I know you're not in Calgary now. But that season you spent with the Hitman, did you get the did the family come out and see you much? Yeah, a few games. Um, I think I think that year Kelowna came to uh, to Calgary, and then we played him. Uh, I think we played yeah we played him once in Calgary, and then uh, family came down there. I actually used to build it with my uh, my auntie and uncle in Calgary, so that was pretty cool. And then my parents came down for the game in, uh, against Kelowna, and then he uh, I actually ended up scoring against them, so that was pretty cool as well. <laughs> nice. Uh, did you win the game or? Uh, yes, we did. Uh, it was a uh, uh, empty netter actually. I think it was like five, five, three or something. So, so the, the goal you scored was an empty nerd? No, no, no. It, it was the next one, insurance marker. So, okay. Yeah. Tell me, Caden was on the ice when you scored. Or... No, I wish I just stayed him down though. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got bragging rights for the win and for exactly. for getting the goal. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, at the end of that season, now you played uh, fifty games in your rookie season, fifteen points that year, and you got into the playoffs as well. How did you feel about that uh, that rookie year in Calgary? Um, uh, it was definitely difficult. I mean, coming into the league as a 16 year old, um, just, I guess your confidence isn't there yet. Um, I'm a small, I was a smaller player. Um, at, like the speed was, the speed was quicker. I'm used to. So the, the regular season was tough for sure. Then as the playoffs led on, I felt like I, uh, I adapted the game much quicker and playing with, uh, a little bit better line mates, more skilled line mates definitely helped me out. And, uh, that uh, that raised my confidence. There's some pressure that that comes along with being a, a high draft pick like that. Do, do you think that affected yeah. the way you played at all? Did you feel like, man, I, I I really have to deliver? Did you put extra pressure on yourself? Um, maybe the first couple games of the year I did. Uh, until until I was getting to my head. So then, uh, my agent and my uh, my parents just said, just go out there and be yourself. You're here for a reason. So. That definitely helped me out. Ryder Korzak of the Moose Jaw Warriors is my guest, and uh, maybe we'll get to that. Uh, at the end of that season, big trade between uh, Calgary and Moose Jaw. Uh, Jet Wu going from the Warriors to the Calgary Hitmen as they tried to load up for a, to take a run at things. And it, it, when you acquire really good players, you're often giving up really good players and probably young, and that, that fits the bill for you. How do you take that, though, as a guy who had just finished your first season and you get traded? Yeah, um, I was I was definitely a bit nervous. I mean, I was uh, I was comfortable in Calgary. I don't know if I wanted to go, but then my agent called me and asked me if I wanted to go to Moose Jaw, and there was a there's more opportunity there. So I uh, I obviously took the trade, and then I uh, I got to Moose Jaw, and the Warriors were unreal. Um, the coaching staff, the teammates, my billets, they're unbelievable. Um, they walked me with open arms, and yeah, the coaching staff gave me a little bit of opportunity. And with that opportunity, I took it and I ran with it, and uh, it uh, ended up in a good year for me. Heck, so. of, a, heck of a season. 67 points in uh, 62 games. I don't know if you care about plus minus. The, the dash 40 doesn't look great, but, you know, <laughs> no, we, we no. talked about it. It was a, it was a uh, growing year for the Moose Jaw Warriors last season. But yeah. overall, you, you were pretty happy with the way things went? Yeah, I am actually really happy. I mean, I thought I had a pretty good year. Um, from a team-wise, I think we could do a little bit better. But personally, I think yeah, I think it is pretty good. But I, I like I said before, I can, I think I still have a little bit more to give. This is your draft year. Uh, not being able to perform on the ice uh, up to this point, at least, there's got to be a level of frustration with that. You, you got to, you want to be out there trying to show everybody what you can do. 
and you don't have that opportunity. Can you put that into words for me? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's a question. I mean, everyone everyone wants to be out there, but I especially want to be out there showing my skills, showing my talents. But, uh, well, I guess, like I said before, I mean, I can't do much about it. Um, I just got to wait, wait our turn. And, yeah, hopefully, like I said, hopefully it starts up here soon. It's got to be tough. You're an inch taller and 15 pounds heavier. You, you want to show that everybody that. Exactly. I know. <laughs> I want to get my stats updated there. <laughs> Um, do you spend a lot of time thinking about the draft or would that almost be like a bit of a trap and you, you kind of don't want to have that in your head? Um, well, there's definitely some days where you think about it, but then there's other days that I, uh, I keep my focus and just, I, I don't know, uh, like keep a, keep the right mindset, I guess you could say, and just focus on their team game. And once the team game comes, then uh, the, the personal game will come as well. Do you look at things like rankings? I mean, maybe not in a regular season, but now when nothing's going on and you see Central Scouting come out and, and other ind- independent uh, agencies out there, do you, do you spend much time thinking about stuff like that? I mean, they everybody seems to, to rank you pretty high. Yeah, um, uh, that's a little bit. I mean, you obviously see it sometimes, but then I'm not going out, I'm not going on my way to look for it. I mean, uh, if something someone sends it to me, then I will obviously look at it. But uh, I don't. I don't go on my way to look at search up my name to see if uh, how high I am. And uh, obviously, uh, I don't try. To, I don't take that um, to heart. I mean, there's still always work to do. So I just try to be my best, uh, the best I can be. I guess. Uh, I guess considering where Caden was taken, uh, anywhere above the 41st overall pick would would make you happy, just so you can have that bragging rights yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> one my goals than him. So whole thing at that. Uh, I should ask you for a, a bit of a, a self scouting report uh, for for those who haven't had a chance to watch the Warriors play, and nobody has in the last uh, ten months. But uh, I, I broadcast. I'm involved with the league, so I get to see you when you come through Edmonton. But uh, for those who haven't had that chance, can you give us a a self scouting report. What do they? What would they see from Ryder Korzak on a nightly basis? Um, I would say I'm a crafty player, a crafty, shifty, uh, playmaking uh, player who has vision and patience. Um, I'm slippery in the offense zone. Um, I uh, I can use my agility to get around defenders, and I can put the pass on the tape. And then if there's opportunity for me to score, then uh, I can do that as well. You're in the center. You're in the middle. Yeah, I'm center. 18 goals last year, 49 assists. Or do you see yourself more as a setup guy? I mean, 18 goals you, you can you can score yeah. as well. But uh, is is your first instinct to uh, find a teammate? Yeah, yeah, I uh, I would definitely say that. Um, I'm more of a setup guy. But this year, uh, one of my goals is to uh, to shoot the puck more often. And uh, I was working on my shot this year, so. Um, yeah, that's definitely one of my goals to shoot more and uh, find the net and fill the net. It's funny how often I hear that from a player. And maybe does your coach tell you that too? You know, be a little bit more selfish. You can shoot and you can score. So Yeah, because I guess, I mean, it seems like people are doing uh, reports on me and they're taking away the pass a lot of times. So they're giving me the shot, so i got to bury it. <laughs> is, that a, is that a tough uh, mental flip of the switch that you have to make? If, you're, if your first instinct is to find a winger or, you know, set somebody else up, is it hard to, you know, when you're about to pass, to say, you know what, i got to shoot this time instead? Is It's all got to happen uh, in the blink of an eye. Yeah, it definitely happens pretty quick. But, I mean, whatever's open, I, I, I hit. If it's not open, then obviously I'm going to be taking a shot. So, I uh, yeah, I'm trying to work on that this year. And uh, if the shot's open, I'll take it. Excellent. Uh, Ryder, what do you do between now and, uh, I guess, the start of the season? Or maybe, since it's all just training, what do you do that's not involved, not hockey-related? Are you uh, are you an outdoorsman? Do you... Uh, what do you like to do? Fish? Other sports? What do you do? Yeah, 
Um, my mom is actually living on the farm right now. Um, she got a farm beside it's it's north of Yorkton. It's by Foam Lake there. So I I quite often go out there. Um, I like to say, <laughs> people say I could be a farmer, but I don't think I could be. But I go out there and I uh, I ride the quads, I go ice fishing. Um, yeah, just typical farm farm guy there stuff. And then uh, inside, I'm actually trying to learn how to play the guitar. So. It's definitely difficult, but I'm I'm trying to learn. <laughs> acoustic or electric? No, acoustic. Acoustic. Okay, so you're not a guy who plugs in and gets the whammy bar going and stuff like that. No, 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 I couldn't be that guy. <laughs> Do you sing as well or just play? Uh, I try to sing, but uh, I mostly just I mostly just play. All right, Ryder, listen. Well, I hope the next time we hear you or we see you playing, it's on the ice uh, when the Moose Jaw Warriors uh, get back into action here in the WHL. Thanks for your time, man. Best of luck. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, that was Ryder Korzak of the Moose Jaw Warriors, and I was the dumbass who uh, had the wrong setting set for uh, my microphone. Uh, I I feel awful about it, actually, because it's probably an interview his parents will want to listen to or something like that, and uh, it sounds bad. He sounds great. He sounds perfect, Uh, but I sound like I'm uh, talking in a closet. It was because I I got this new webcam, and I installed it, and now every time I do an interview— uh, I have to physically go in and change my microphone setting each time, and I, I just forgot. So the way I've been doing the show as a podcaster for the last uh, three or four years uh, is uh, slightly. There's one extra step now to do, uh, and I learned my lesson there. So I, I feel bad. I apologize to Ryder. I actually texted him. He said, no big deal, but obviously, what else are you going to say? Uh, but I felt bad about that. So I appreciate uh, James Gall from the, the uh, Warriors setting that interview up. I appreciate Ryder making the time, and uh, I apologize to him and uh, to you, the listeners, for my screw-up, my screw-up with uh, the audio from my end. Believe me, after the editing, that's what it sounds like. Imagine what it was like before I was able to tinker with a little bit to try to make it sound better. It was pretty bad. I almost felt there was a part of me that was like, I'm just going to re-record all of my questions, and I could have done that, but you lose sort of the the natural feel of the interview if I was to do that. So I didn't. It is what it is. Life goes on. And so does the show. Next uh, guest is Dustin Braxma from HockeyProspect.com. We're going to chat about uh, six guys that uh, he sent me a list of guys he wanted to talk about. Three of them are defensemen. Three of them are forwards. And then uh, there's kind of a bonus defenseman and forward that we get around to talking about as well. So Dustin Braxma, we look ahead to the 2021 NHL Draft next here on the Pipeline Show. Hamblers win the draw. Mackie with it now. Blue line from Middlestead. Pardot shoots and scores! KC Middlestead from the far dot. And the Gamblers lead 2-1. That's a power play goal for KC Middlestead. It's KC Middlestead from the Green Bay Gamblers, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Nick Bukestad. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. And Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! 
You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Well, Ending this week's episode of the Pipeline Show with a look ahead to the 2021 draft with uh, another contributor, one of our friends from HockeyProspect.com, Dustin Braxman joins me for the first time in uh, season 16 here. Dustin, welcome back to the program. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. It's good. To, it's good to talk to you. I think uh, last time we chatted was before the last draft, and yep. the calendar has been convoluted a little bit. So, no, it's good to get on with you. I appreciate it. Uh, it's good to catch up again. And, and you're right. I mean, the last draft happened in October, so the last time we chatted was, well, I'm guessing, probably September-ish or late August, something like that, leading up to the draft. And this year's draft currently slated for uh, July. So again, the calendar a little bit wonky uh, compared to a normal year, but. At least where you are, you're getting to actually watch some of these guys on the ice. And that, that's got to be a challenge when you and the rest of the guys at HockeyProspect.com get together and, and are trying to sort out rankings. What do you do for the leagues that aren't playing? How do you how do you weigh and how do you decide where to slot guys? Well, I think that would probably be a better question for Mark because, you know, I, I have my region and I focus on that. Um I know the guys up uh, that are focusing on the Western League and the OHL are just going back to last year's video, right? Mm-hmm. And um, trying to see games that we didn't see last year. Um, that's all you can do. I'm, I'm blessed here. You know, the USHL has been going for a couple months now. Um, Minnesota High School just got going a couple weeks ago. Um, so I'm blessed I get to go out and see some games. Um Minnesota High School is a little bit, they're still ironing out some kinks because they're only letting a certain amount of people in the ranks. And um, that can be an issue with the with the popular schools in, many, in Minnesota. So before I take the four-hour drive to the Twin Cities, I want to make sure I can get in, get in the building, right? Right, right. So um, there's a little bit more that goes with that. But, no, I'm lucky that I'm able to actually get out and see some games here. All right, well, let's get to uh, some of the scouting uh, reports and, and thoughts you have on some of the guys in your area. You, you gave me a list of six names, and uh, some of them I knew, some of them I don't. Uh, let's start with uh, Shea Booyum, who a uh, big defenseman, 6'3", 215-ish pounds. He's only 17 years old, coming from the hockey hotbed of uh, San Diego, California, so much like uh, Thatcher Demko uh, back uh, in the day. But uh, he is playing... Well, this year he's split time at Shattuck and uh, with the Sioux City Musketeers of the USHL. Uh, where is he right now? I believe he's with Sioux City still. And uh, last I heard, he's going to stay there and not. Um, when I saw him this year, he was playing with Shattuck, St. Mary's Prep. Um, and then they kind of got shut down in Minnesota uh, per uh, government regulations there. So he moved on to Sioux City. Um I have yet to see him in the USHL, but you're right. They, he has um, good physical attributes to play at the next level, 6'3", 200 pounds already. Um, he's a strong defenseman. Um, he was kind of – I'm kind of excited to see him in the USHL because him playing prep school is kind of a little bit of a man, man amongst boys at times for him there. So sure. um, I'm, excited to, I'm excited to get some viewings on him in the USHL here as we go. Hopefully he sticks and stays in the USHL. I think that would be good for his development. Um, one thing that sticks out about his game is he's an extremely accurate passer, especially on the breakout. You know, he, he, he finds guys tapes. Um, I like the way he goes through his reads and exiting his defensive zone. Um, doesn't skate the puck any longer than he has to. If he sees an opportunity to move it to a more skilled forward, he'll do that. Um, not the type of defenseman that's really going to 
jump into the rush unless he really sees an opportunity. He kind of picks his spots very carefully in that regard, I've noticed. Um, we'll see how he projects offensively at the next level. I'm not sure he, he's probably a number one PP guy yet, but, you know, those skills can sometimes develop as, as he gets older. Like you said, he's only 17 years old. So mm. um, he, he has a lot of uh, physical and attributes and skill that make him – it's going to make him an intriguing prospect for uh, some team. Looking back at his uh, stats for not just this year, but in, in recent years, it seems like the vast majority of his uh, offensive production are assists. And you say he's not a guy who necessarily jumps up into the rush. So is this a, a big, more, I don't want to pigeon uh, p- pigeonhole him and say he's a stay-at-home guy, but I'm picturing a guy who maybe starts the offensive attack with a pass. You mentioned his, his uh, really strong passing skills, moves the puck up, and then the other guys go score, and he picks up his points that way. Yeah, and I think that can kind of translate in the offensive zone, too, where he uh, identifies a passing lane and gets it to a skilled player and it ends up in the back of the net. And mm. I think his ability to quickly identify those lanes is why he registers so many assists because teams have to reset. They have to recycle on the other side of the ice. And um, at least at the prep school level, um, you know, there was teams that just they're not that quick. They're not they're, – they're, the kids haven't developed that yet. So – um, I'm anxious to see him in the USHL, like I said, to see if um, his his accurate and quick passing ability um, translates to points at that level, too. Uh, six points in 18 games so far this year in the USHL with Sioux City. Headed to Denver, uh, so you know uh, the uh, the Pioneers always seem to find defensemen, that's for sure. Uh, they like the, the small offensive guys, but uh, that's not Shea Bouillam uh, at 6'3 and 214 pounds. Already. All right, let's move to uh, Luke Middlestad. And if that last name sounds familiar, well, uh, for good reason that it would be Casey Middlestad's little brother. But a defenseman this time with this Middlestad. Uh, but uh, again, about the same size as, as Casey was in his draft year. Maybe not quite as offensive minded, or what have you seen from him? Um, it's interesting. I've, I've watched uh, Luke play for a couple years now. Um, a couple of years ago, he was very, I mean, he was rumored to be, you know, um, the best of the three middle staff brothers. Right. Mm. And he still could get there. I mean, I, I don't know. It's going to, I don't think the jury's completely out on Luke yet either. So, um, or Casey, sorry. So, um, he, I recently saw him up in Minnesota and it was his first or second game back into high school. He started the season at Lincoln and he seemed to have trouble adjusting back to the high school game. Um, I caught him in the USHL earlier in the year, and it's a very, it's a very simple but effective game. He's a strong skater. Um, I think as as his body gets stronger, I think he'll add some explosiveness. But um, I like his skating. I like his agility. Um, he makes the simple play. He's not a dynamic um guy that's going to you know stretch the ice east west he, he's just a reliable defenseman um and that's why i was surprised usually when you see players transition to ushl back to high school they dominate right and he it could have just it could have you know it could have just been a bad game but it was one of the it was one of the more poorer games i thought i've seen him at the high school level so uh, it's one that you almost kind of want to just check off and be like okay he wasn't very good that's fine maybe he wasn't feeling well you never know so um, but yeah, smart player. Um, he's strong defensively for his size. I, I think he can handle one-on-one situations, um, plays, 
hard enough in front of his own net. I'd, I'd like to see him get a little bit more aggressive on guys and not just let him camp out in the crease area. But he's more of a stick stick on puck defender than he is body on body right now. So that could be an area of development for him. But um, projection wise, I think he I think he projects as a two way defenseman at the next level. I'm not sure he's like a power play Quinn Hughes um, type of type of defenseman. He doesn't have that dynamic skill, um, but he has the hockey he has the hockey sense and um, the strength in the skating to be an effective defenseman. All right, listed right now at the sheet I'm looking at at 5'11", 175-ish pounds. Uh, I know Casey's a little bit bigger than that at, at this point now. Going to Minnesota to play with the Golden Gophers like Casey did, so following in uh, the family tradition at, uh, with his uh, college choice as well. Now, he's he's only played nine games this year, six of them in the USHL, three in high school. So is that does that kind of go back to what you're talking about with, uh, with the COVID situation? Some of the schools have started up and maybe some – um, started before others did? Well, I don't think it's that. I think uh, Minnesota got a schedule and they all kind of got going at the same time. But, um, you know, it, it, everybody, it's just been different. The time, I mean, he was originally a Madison um, draft pick for the USHL, and then I think he got picked up by Lincoln in the dispersal draft from Madison to that, decided not to play this year. I see. So, okay. um, yeah, so it's just, a, it's just been a little bit of a convoluted year for him. Um, He's a player that I'm going to follow. I know there was a ton of scouts at the game I was at, so the the NHL scouts are on him right now. So we'll see where we'll see how his year goes and how he irons out come spring. Fair enough, uh, Dustin Braxman from HockeyProspect.com, my guest. Let's go to another defenseman. Uh, this time, uh, a fella from Grand Rapids, Minnesota, who is playing. Well, you can tell me again. He, I know he's he's been with Fargo this year in the USHL, but also back at Grand Rapids at the high school. Is that where he is now? And I'm talking about uh, Jack Park. Yeah, uh, he's back with Grand Rapids now this year. Um, he started the season with Fargo. Um, he's uh, I really liked his game this this fall and into the winter in the USHL. Um, he seemed to have like a seamless transition coming from prep to USHL. Um, he's a he's not big, but he's strong in stature. He's he's got a strong lower body. I think he's a gifted skater and puck handler. I think he can rush the puck. I think he could be a little bit more offensive than he is. I'm not sure um, if he was just a little bit more cautious in the USHL than he normally is in prep. I know Grand Rapids, he's forced to carry a lot of the offense on the high school team. So he's maybe a little bit more – I've seen him more aggressively, offensively, um, and actually dominate games at the high school level. Um, But he's just – one word that I would – put to his game is efficient he um especially at the ushl level when i saw him there's very little mistakes he can handle bigger opponents in one-on-one defending um rushes the puck um doesn't doesn't have an issue making the simple play when it calls for it he doesn't need to flash his skill all the time so um he's a he's a riser on my list he was one that stuck that stuck out with me early in the USHL. I kind of was impressed on how he stepped into the league. I think he has double-digit assists yeah. uh, before he went back to high school. So he was able to uh, put up points in the USHL as a 17, 17-year-old, which is impressive. 17-year-old defensemen typically don't get that type of ice time in the USHL uh, to put up those points. So um, I like his ability to kind of open up things from the top of the zone on the power play. Uh, move the puck around. Um, 
has a pretty heavy shot, quick release. Um, he, I don't think he uses it quite as much as uh, he should, but when he does, uh, he has the ability to pick corners and beat goalies from high in the zone, which is a good thing to have when you're a little bit undersized. As you mentioned, uh, 11 assists uh, in uh, 16 games at Fargo. And you're right, as a 17-year-old who, you know, just breaking into the league, uh, he did play five games the, the previous season, had a couple of points then too. But uh, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Dustin, I, I, you're one of the guys who turned me on to Wyatt Kaiser last year. And he stepped into the NCAA this year and is off to a really good start uh, with uh, Minnesota Duluth. You see some similarities with maybe not in necessarily in terms of the way they play, but how quickly they've adapted to the next level? Yeah, I you know that's interesting that you mentioned that because um, I kind of lo- I kind of like to follow up when uh, these kids get drafted and kind of follow up on them in college, but I really haven't been able to this year. And I'm glad to hear that he's made a good transition into college hockey um, because he didn't have a lot of junior experience. Why Kaiser didn't? I right. think he only played a few games. So um, for him to step mainly out of uh, high school and and make that adjustment into college is impressive. That's, that's good for him. And they are a little, they are similar players. I think um, Wyatt was had a little bit different body type. Jack Part is more of a stocky. Um, if I had to compare his body type to somebody, it'd be like a Tory Krug type body type. Hmm. Um, I think Jack's a little bit bigger than Torius, but um, so they're, they're a little bit different in far as stature, but they try to play a very similar game. So yeah, I would agree with you on that. Yep. Brock Faber, maybe type uh, body type, something like that. Uh, yeah. Um, Jack Part going to uh, St. Cloud State eventually when he goes uh, to the NCAA. All right, let's go to uh, three forwards that you sent me the names to, and uh, these are guys that I've heard of. Uh, and let's start with Matt Coronado. He's leading the USHL in scoring, and it's by a pretty significant margin, even on his own team as uh, the Chicago Steel once again uh, dominating the uh, the top scorers in the league. Uh, tell me about this fella who's not that big, 5'10-ish, but 183 pounds. So talking about a, a fire hydrant out there. Yeah, and um, it's interesting. he's a player that I kind of put a pin in last year because scouts were all over Chicago with all the talent they had, uh, for sure. uh, draft talent. And for some reason, with all that talent on their roster, Matt Coronado was a player that always stuck out in all my viewings of Chicago. I'm not sure where I would have fit him in last year's draft, but I wish I could have dropped him in my rankings in last year's draft, to be honest with you, because it was a player I really liked last year. So, And it's good to see that he picked up right where he left off. He's obviously getting more opportunities with some of those players moving on um, out of Chicago. Um, fast skater, explosive. Um, doesn't take him long to get at top gear. And I think there's a lot of players that play fast, and they don't have the brain or the hands to keep up with it, and I think he does. He's not hes not just out there skating fast to skate fast. He's doing it with a purpose, and his hands can keep up. Um, he, gets, he gets open a lot. He gets open for passes, and that's why he has the puck on a stick all the time. Like you see Chicago recycle and uh, reset and break out of their own zone, and he always seems to be open for an outlet pass. So he has the puck all the time, um, and he's creative. And I think he, he's able to think the game as fast as he skates, which is um, why he's been able to put up so many points and just almost dominate on a nightly basis. Um, I think there's a little bit um, more compete in the D zone for him going forward. I think um, he'll need to um, improve along that. But 
as far as the offensive skills and the and the playmaking ability, um, he's up there with almost anybody in this draft as far as I'm concerned that I've seen. Last year he had 18 goals and 22 points or 22 assists rather for 40 points in 45 games. He's already got 41 points this year after just 22 games. He's matched his goal totals as well. So huge jump forward. Now having a year under his belt uh, certainly helps and he's a late birthday. So he is 18 uh, uh, going up against some of the uh, younger guys in his draft class. But uh, what do you think of his uh, college choice uh, being Harvard? I know there's, Obviously, they're not playing this year, but could that be something that uh, that waivers or changes? That's uh, probably pretty hard for you to, to speculate on that. But uh, moving forward, a, a guy at the coll- collegiate level should have a lot of success too. I I can't wait to see his game in college, to be honest with you, because the college games I watch, the college I I love college hockey. I'm an American, so I've always watched college hockey growing up. But they can get very defensive. They can get very um, kind of stuck in the mud some games. And he just brings a, a a side of dynamic ability that not every team has in college hockey. Um, certainly that they don't get a lot of at Harvard. It's been, it's been different in recent years. They've done a little bit better. But traditionally, Harvard is in the um, ECAC hasn't been a league that um, prides itself on highly offensive players. They've right. always kind of been a lockdown league, right? So um, I'm excited to see him. It's an older league. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a, a few uh, a month or so to adjust to college hockey because the ECAC, there's, it's not uncommon to get 20-year-old freshmen in that league, right? So um, I'm excited to see him in that league, to be honest with you, and go against some older competition and um, play against men. So I think that's a good spot for him. I, I don't think he's a one-and-done player. I think he's going to need a couple years in college hockey to kind of round out his game. Um, before he's ready to make the jump to pro hockey. So the long development path at Harvard or the longer one might be a good one for him. Well, let's hope uh, the Ivies uh, are playing uh, this time next year. That would be nice uh, for for all of those guys for sure. Uh, Dylan Duke is a a standout right now at the uh, the program with the U18 squad. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he's leading the program if uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, Again, not a big guy, but at 5'10", 180-ish pounds, uh, another uh, undersized but stocky guy. It can be a guy that's hard to knock off the puck. Uh, and when he's got the puck, he seems to be able to do stuff with it. He's got 17 goals, 31 uh, 31 points in 25 games this year uh, with the program. Yeah, um, I'm not surprised by those numbers, um, to be honest with you. Um, he is uh, he's an he's a above average skater. I don't think his skating is great, but it's probably just a little bit above average. The one thing that stands out every time I've watched Dylan Duke, and I, I saw him a few times last year, um, and I'm, I was trying to, you know, trying to sort out his game a little bit, and you know, the, he, people can get lost in that lineup at the program sometimes. And one thing that always stood out was his compete level and his physicality. Um, I think he's a player that can play up and down the lineup at the next level. I, I think his hockey sense allows him to uh, be a versatile player. I like uh, stealing a term from Brian Burke. Um, the way he described Joe Pavelski is, I think Dylan Duke's a Swiss Army knife. I mm. think I think you can use him in a number of different situations. He's maybe not as highly skilled um, as some players, but he's going to get his points through um, outworking his opponent, um, knowing where to be, um, things like that is how he's getting his points. And um, 
I like his shot. I like his ability to get it off the tape quickly. Um, you know, he, he, he know he finds those soft areas in the slot and then he gets the puck off his stick quickly. So, um, he's been a player that's been impressive this year. I've, I've really enjoyed most of my viewings of him. They've all, most of them have been positive. I don't think he's really had a, a down game or, um, taken a shift off. And if you can bring that type of consistency, consistency, I think that's going to give you a shot to be a valuable player at the next level. Dustin, uh, the, there's one more guy we're going to chat about, but of the five we've already talked about, do you see any of them as potential first round picks or are they all second solid third round kind of guys for you? Um, I think Shea Buham is probably going to get some first round attention, but when it's all said and done, uh, defenseman, uh, for Sioux City, um, I have him currently as a, um, uh, first round ranking in my U.S. rankings. And Matt Coronado, I have as a first-round ranking as well. Okay. Um, I know that may not be a unanimous thing yet, but um, I think he's going to have something to. Uh, I don't think his season's over with. I think um, he's gonna he's gonna continue to impress. So I think those two players um, for sure have first-round rankings for me. Um, the other three are probably more of the B category players where. You know, at least at my ranking. Now, some teams will certainly have, you know, higher rankings for some of these players than I do or lower rankings than I do. Um, but Dylan Duke is a player that I'd be interested in where he ends up on some team's draft board by the end of the year because um, he's certainly been impressive thus far. So um, that's one that that's one that I would kind of put an asterisk next to and say there could be one team out there that, you know, if their first – um, guy, couple guys that they really liked are off the board, and they're picking at the end of the first round. He could be a player that could go, in my opinion. Well, he's headed to Michigan uh, eventually, and we saw Brendan Brisson from uh, Michigan get taken near the end of the first round last year, and uh, Johnny Beecher went is at Michigan now and uh, was a late first round pick as well. And uh, the last guy we're going to chat about. Well, he's going to go fairly early in the first round, uh, also at Michigan, though, and that's uh, Maddie, Maddie Beniers, who we saw at the World Junior Championship up here in Edmonton. Uh, lots to like about this fella, but you get to see him more than I do. Uh, give us your, your thoughts on Matt Beniers. Yeah, um, he's a player that I wish I could see live more than I have been able to, just because um, uh, he's fun to watch. He's just a player, but, you know, we all saw him at the World Junior, and while he wasn't an offensive catalyst for that U.S. team. Um, he was a catalyst for him. He did all. He won faceoffs. He he, and I think um, you know there may be some players in this draft that have more offensive upside, um, but I'm not sure you find a more complete player than Maddie Beniers right now for this draft. Um, and that's just my opinion. That's um, I have him ranked. Um, at or near the top of my U.S. list um, right now. Um, the one thing that stands out about him um, is, let's see, Team USA won the gold medal on a Wednesday night, I think. I'm sure that wasn't an early night for those for that team, and he came out and played Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, Sunday after play. I don't know how many games and how many days that is, mm -hmm. but it's a lot. And he didn't skip a beat. He stepped right into that Michigan lineup, and he looked just as good as he – he looked just as fresh, just as energized, which if some player didn't look a little tired or didn't have their A game that night, I would have probably gave him a pass. But 
he looked just as good against, uh, I think it was Michigan State, um, right after the World Juniors. Um, he stepped right in. So he's always noticeable in his viewings, which um, he always finds a way to contribute. It may not be on the score sheet, but um, it, he, he's an impressive player. And a player that, I got to be honest with you, coming into the year, I probably didn't have as a first-round you know, if I'm being completely honest, the first round prospect, if I did, he was probably a late first round prospect for me, but he's done nothing but impress me in, in his transition to college hockey and playing against that older group of players. Um, it's It's been impressive. I want to ask you just, uh, you're, you mentioned the, uh, on your American list, is that based on uh, what passports guys hold or where they're playing? Because Michigan has a couple of high profile Canadians who are up for the draft. Um, so do you consider them, would would those guys be on your American list or is, does it go by passport for you? No, those American, my American list is based on the players I see. So I don't, I don't travel to Canada. I don't see games in Canada. I mean, you can't this year anyway, right. but um, I, it's based on where they play. So Owen Power is on my U.S. list because okay. he's currently playing. He's playing in a league that I can see live. If, if it's not a league that I can see live and in person, they're not on my list. Okay, so when you were talking about Matt Beneers being at or near the top of your American list, you have him ahead of both Kent Johnson and Owen Power at this point? Uh, da, 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 da. I guess what I'll say is they're all three next to each other. <laughs> that's very that's good. what I'll do. They're all, they're all three next to each other. And, um, you know, we can touch on those two players real quickly. Sure. Um, I think I think Owen Power has tremendous upside. I think he's a fantastic hockey player. Um, I just wish he would take control of the game a little bit more. Now, I he's you know he's he's a young kid in a in an older league, and mm-hmm. I completely get this adjustment period for defensemen. But I love his physical tools. I think I think he has tremendous upside. Um, and Kent Johnson, it's it's funny. Um, I remember seeing Kent Johnson play for Barnaby. Um, at uh, what are they at Barnaby Athletic Club or Barnaby Winter Club? It's called. Um, they came down to here in Madison for a little showcase to play some other AAA teams, and this must have been maybe three or four years ago. And he was maybe fourteen, fifteen years old, and he was playing on the Barnaby prep team. Um, and he was probably like five seven, five eight. You know what I mean? And then. He was impressive. He was highly skilled, but it was like, who's this little kid? He had, he didn't have a college commitment yet, and it, it's just a player that not in my area noticeable. And then he goes back to British Columbia. You know, I lost him for a couple of years because I'm not watching the British Columbia very closely. I kind of follow it. I'm like Kent Johnson, and then his name pops up. I'm like, is that the same Kent Johnson that I saw three and a half, four years ago? And sure enough, it is. And um, the skill's still there that I saw, he just grew five inches mm-hmm. and he just looks like a completely different kid. And, um, he, he has such offensive skill, um, and dynamic ability. I can't, I hope he plays in college for a couple of years, to be honest with you, because I, I can't wait to see what, what he can do. Um, once he gets a little bit stronger in that league. Yeah. He, all he does is put up points that year you, you were talking about when he was with the Burnaby winter club. 75 points in 35 games last year in the BCHL, 101 points in 52 games. So two times uh, a, a point per game uh, last year in uh, in a pretty good league in the BCHL. So pretty impressive. And he's got more than a point per game this year as a freshman at Michigan. 
Well, Dustin, that was a great rundown on a lot of guys. I really appreciate your time. Sorry, it sounded like you were going to say one more thing. No, I just want to say that was one one thing that surprised me is his ability to step right into college hockey from the BCHL at such a young age and be as dominant as he has. It's, mm. It was it's just been he's he's just had an impressive start to his college career. Excellent stuff, and uh, I look forward to having you on again because there's always lots of uh, nice little nuggets playing high school hockey or in the USHL that might not be getting the attention that they deserve and. You always like to bring them out and uh, give them some love here on the Pipeline Show. Thanks for your time, Dustin. All right. Take care, man. Good to talk to you. Always a good time and a great job again by Dustin Braxma. Whenever he's on the show, he knocks it out of the park. And today, no exception on that. Actually, uh, a couple of bonus guys there at the end. We hadn't planned on talking about Owen Power and Kent Johnson at all. But, hey, that's the way a conversation sort of uh, evolves. And uh, he was able to to touch on that as well on those two guys. Uh, I mentioned at the start there that that was going to be the final interview for this week's show. That was the plan. And then about uh, an hour after I was done putting that one together yesterday and put it up on the Patreon page for uh, patrons who get early access to everything. Then the press release from the Western Hockey League came out that, that the five teams in Alberta would start play on February 26th. For more uh, on that and uh, a little reaction from Red Deer, I contacted Byron Hackett from The Advocate in Red Deer. He helps me close out this week's episode next. Down the left side, pass over to Ashton. Oh, what a stop! Darcy Kemper, what a gutsy performance this evening at the NMAX Centrio. This is Cam Moon, voice of the Red Deer Rebels, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Troubled Monk Brew of the Week. Hey, it's one of my personal favorites, but tell the people about it. The Vacation Mexican Lager. When the chores are done, the lawn is mowed or the sidewalk shoveled. This Mexican Lager is perfect for floating on fresh powder or floating down the river. Vacation Lager is a little getaway every day. Player comparable, Sidney Crosby can do it all and is always in the conversation of the very best. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Woo, that's a bingo. Final segment here on The Pipeline Show and sort of a bonus one because I had basically wrapped up the uh, the episode for the week and then breaking news came out uh, yesterday so i wanted to uh, touch on that for sure uh, of course that breaking news is the whl coming back at least in one province it is and how complicated that is uh, uh what we're going to uh, find out uh, byron hackett from the uh, advocate in red deer welcome to the program byron how are you i'm doing excellent yeah thanks for having me on it's uh it's exciting for everyone i think that that hockey's back even if, if it's in a modified uh setting here before we get into all the details here for Alberta, you'd have to think that Saskatchewan, BC, Manitoba, uh, I mean, uh, depending on the varying degrees of recovery here or adaptability around COVID, and of course, uh, what's happening in the States, do you think uh, everybody else uh, is able to start up here right away too? 
Yeah, you know, that's what I was really surprised about, that the uh, WHL just decided to go ahead with one province and then wait on the other provinces to get health approval. I, I wasn't sure that that was ever on the table or ever a thought. I had never heard that, at least, as a possible idea. So I was just surprised, yeah, when one province was able to go ahead and the other ones are still waiting on approval. But, yeah, I think if you look at the plan that the WHL put forward uh, yesterday, it's pretty detailed, and there's a lot of, I guess, uh, um, room for pe- people to be able to go forward with with playing, and I think yeah, when you allow a week between games and you test the players when they come in and you test the players every week, I think that sort of uh, allows a lot of leeway for the provincial uh, health authorities to say yeah, that sounds like a, a, a decent plan, anyways. If if I had said uh, you know a week ago that uh, one of the provinces will allow it and it will start up and we'll have WHL action in one province, would you have thought it would be Alberta? No. Uh, well, yeah, I, I guess just from I, I follow a lot of the COVID situation here and just the cases have been going down pretty significantly and uh, the hospitalizations and, and the deaths and the positivity rate of cases, all those factors that the government or the provincial health authorities kind of look to to indicate how they approach restrictions going forward seem to suggest that Alberta would be okay for hosting things like this kind of down the line. So that, in that sense, it didn't surprise me at all, but I just hadn't heard about anyone being this far along in terms of getting back on the ice, so I was a little bit surprised in that way. All right, so uh, let's uh, talk about it. Uh, it's going to be uh, February 26th. It'll be the five teams in Alberta uh, all getting together. They're only playing one opponent per week, so I guess they could play back-to-back games against the same team. Is that how you see it working out? Yeah, definitely. I think yeah, I think it'll be a home and home. So Red Deer will play on a Friday night here, and then Calgary a Saturday, and then they're off for the following week, or do a Saturday Sunday, say here, and then in Lethbridge, and yeah, and then a week off. And I think it'll be similar. Yeah, and every team I guess gets a buy one of the weeks. So I guess it'll be two buys overall because it'll be over twelve weeks, I suppose. And I'm guessing instead of. Okay, Red Deer's kind of in the middle, so that's convenient for them and for Calgary. But if Edmonton yeah. is going to play, say, Medicine Hat, they're going to be doing home-and-homes, yeah. I guess, to avoid hotel stays. Uh, rather than Edmonton go to Medicine Hat and play a Friday and Saturday in Medicine Hat, then you have to stay overnight. Uh, but maybe they're, yeah. they're getting around that by busing in between? Yeah, I think it'll be bus trips. So they'll yeah they'll drive there, drive back, same night sort of thing. That that's usually what they do. Well, what Red Deer has done, from what I know in the past, anyways, for most of those Alberta games, regardless of whether it's Medicine Hat or, and I, I'm not sure about Edmonton, but I think the bus trips, kind of no matter what, getting back to your home city the same day will be kind of the priority. What are you hearing about fans? I know you've talked to the Rebels uh, to try to get uh, some inside uh, details of of what their plan looks like. Uh, hearing anything about fans to start with, and maybe that changes. Yeah, so in the release, they're pretty clear about no fans. Um, and in my talks with uh, with Rebels owner, Brent Sutter, he had said the same thing, that even though that's what they've wanted, the WHL along has, has been hopeful and bullish about getting fans that the provincial health authorities had never really been on board with, with that plan. And they were never really, that was kind of a, a stop yeah, or a stop right there when the WHL is looking into that. So that's kind of where that stands, I think. Uh, and I know I get asked all the time why if it's only 24 games, it's it's hardly doesn't even resemble a normal uh, season. Why bother? Why not just pull the plug on this? But 
I think if you ask the overage guys uh, who are entering their yeah. final year of eligibility, the draft eligible guys, uh, there there is some importance in just getting back onto the ice here. Uh, that's my take. Anyway, how do you? What do you think? Yeah, I think you can look at it from the NHL's perspective, right? They have a lot of stake in these players who are going to be uh, draft picks next year or draft picks this summer or whenever the draft is held. So they need to scout these players in order for their product to look good in three to five years, right? Because if they don't and say every NHL team misses on a first round pick because they didn't see them play for a year, then I think, so I think the NHL has got a lot of stake in them just playing, at least doing something so that there's some sort of, uh, the teams have watched these players play and they at least know a little bit about them and kind of have a little bit of background on kind of what, what they're, where they're at now, I guess. Well, and I know the release talks about just the the, uh, the the crackdown, how on top of everything they're going to be when it comes to uh, billeting and uh, the team staff and the officials that are involved. Yeah. Uh, I don't imagine there's going to be a whole lot of uh, access for media. I'm not sure if the broadcasters will be traveling on the buses as well or if maybe they'll be driving yeah. themselves to, to games. I don't know. What do you hear? Yeah, that, I haven't heard much on that perspective. It'll be interesting to see how they approach that. Yeah, because I think... The idea from from what I gather is to keep the group as small as possible, like team, coaches, and that's really about, and obviously billets and and as little support staff as you can, just so, yeah, that that bubble is is tight, right? So I don't imagine that'll be the case. I don't know if they'll have to call games from remotely or what it is, but you'd like to see them in the the building because that's how a, a good game is called in my eyes, so... I just, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with that, but, it's, yeah, it's going to be a tough decision, I think, either way. When you're talking to Brent, uh, get any sense of uh, what the the broadcast will sound like? Uh, because, we, as we know, Cam Moon has uh, moved on and up to the NHL, at least uh, for this season, with the uh, calling games for the Edmonton Oilers. What are they doing in Red Deer, do you know? Yeah, so as far as I know, they have a continuously plan in place for the 24-game season. And then going forward, they're going to look into a permanent replacement this summer. They're going to do a detailed search and kind of find a guy that can be a jack-of-all-trades like Mooner was, which, I mean, obviously it's impossible to place a, a guy like him who'd been around for, for 20 years and knows everybody and mm-hmm. you know has those connections everywhere. But I, I think... Yeah, they'll do a pretty deep dive into what they want and what they need and, and who's out there, I think. Uh, what about on the ice? So what do you expect from the Rebels in this type of uh, season, quote-unquote? And, and really, when we talk about the season, we don't know anything about playoffs, if there's a Memorial Cup or anything like that this year. We're really just looking at a 24-game season uh, of five teams kind of just playing against each other. It's, it's almost like uh, intramurals. Uh, who, who knows you know, if, if points and standings are even going to matter? Yeah, I see it more as like a showcase tournament almost, like a long showcase tournament in that way where it's just night in, night out. You get to see kind of what these kids have against, yeah, divisional opponents. But I think for for Red Deer, they made a, good, they made a lot of good strides last year with a really young lineup, and um, a lot of those guys will, yeah, have an elevated role going forward this year. I mean, you look at Christopher Setoff, who was supposed to be was draft eligible last year and played such a big role, and I think if he comes back from, from Europe, which I haven't heard yet, but seems like he might be, um, but he's he's a guy that would be a big piece. But regardless, they have a lot of players, I mean, up front that, 
saw bigger roles last year, like a Jaden Grube is yeah making more of a difference near the end of last season. And Josh Tarzel had a really great year last year, so it'll be interesting to see what he does as a huge piece of the, the team. And you have Kyle Masters on, on defense who missed a lot of last season, but if he gets a bigger role and he's ready to go at the start of the year, then that'll be huge. Um, I think with the team, too, it didn't look like a lot of them went other places, like if you were playing in Saskatchewan, but a lot of them, from what I know, were just kind of training at home and just doing that sort of thing. So I think they'll be in town and ready to go a lot quicker and practicing together and that sort of stuff. I think that might be a bit of an advantage. Interesting when you mentioned uh, Christopher Setoff, uh, who's over in Europe, because I just saw the federal announcement from the federal government about having a mandate to, for or uh, having to quarantine for three days as soon as you get into the country yeah. and, and have to uh, clear a test. And there's only four airports accepting international travel now. So any import players who aren't already over here, uh, they better get here pretty quick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that might put a little bit of a wrinkle in the plans to have him back. So I'm not, yeah, I'm not 100% sure on that, but it'd be huge for them if, if he was able to make it make it back. And just the one import right now, uh, as far as we know, for Red Deer? Do they hold the rights to another? Yeah, they do. They made a pick last year, and like the name the name is escaping me off the top of my head. Okay. But um, they were excited to come at the start of the season, and whichever player it was was ready to go for the start of this year during the draft, during the import draft. But obviously with things up in the air, who knows what the situation is there. Byron Hackett from the uh, Advocate in Red Deer is my guest. Uh, what do you got coming up uh, uh, in the near future here in the Advocate or uh, anything else that you're doing? Um, I, I think one of the most interesting things probably for people, um, the, your listeners would be what I, what I wrote about last week. Um, uh, Matt Frazier and, uh, Paul Potsma are playing over in Austria and a couple of Red Deer products, um, teaming up for a team in Austria and they're, they're having quite the season. They had combined for 10 goals to start the year, the two of them. And Potsma plays D, but he, he's been quite good for that team. And it was kind of, a situation where um, Fraser was at the gym and he had signed with the Austrian team and they were looking for another player and he was with Potsna and they uh, they just happened to to link up and go go there and they're having a blast there and so it was interesting to catch up with those guys so I wrote a story about that um, but yeah it'll be from now on doing a lot of features on some of the Rebels guys and what they've been doing on all this time off it's been almost a year since since they've played a game so. I imagine some of them have had uh, pretty interesting uh, adventures over that last little bit. So that'll be a, a fun way to get people geared up for the season. Excellent. Uh, Byron, I appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this at the last minute. Yeah, no worries. It's Byron Hackett. First time I believe I've had him on the, the Pipeline show. He writes for The Advocate in Red Deer. And that interview, so fresh, it's still warm coming out of the oven. I just had that conversation with him earlier today. I didn't uh, put it up on the Patreon page as a early access because the show was coming out really didn't, uh, it wouldn't be that early access. Uh, so just wanted to get the show out. Appreciate his time and looking forward to at least some WHL action. I would have to think it's probably for me personally, I, I won't be going. It'll just be watching the games online, but at least there'll be something to watch. And hopefully the, uh, the clubs in the rest of the league will be able to start too. There's 17 other teams who are chomping at the bit to get going, and hopefully uh, that happens in the very, very near future. 
And that wraps up this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. So thanks to the four guests that you heard from. Uh, thanks to everybody who is tuning in to this uh, this week's episode. A uh, special shout out to those of you who are patrons at patreon.com slash the Pipeline Show. And a reminder to you patrons that uh, I will be letting you know as soon as I have guests booked. And uh, you will have the opportunity to submit some questions for those guests. You'll get a shout out uh, here on the program uh, when I do ask those questions. Also, another reminder and request that uh, wherever you're getting your copy of the Pipeline Show from, if you have the ability to leave a comment or a, re- a review of some sort or uh, you know give it uh, a rating, uh, I would appreciate it if you would take a second to do that as well. Uh, it just helps other people, other listeners find the show and maybe um, grow the audience a little bit. And with that, I bid you a good weekend, and I look forward to chatting with you again next week here on the Pipeline Show. Till then, I'm Guy Flaming. See ya.